0: If anyone in America should have been prepared to respond to the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001, it ought to have been Vice President Dick Cheney. For decades before the planes hit the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, Cheney had been secretly practicing for doomsday. During the 1980s, while serving as a Republican congressman from Wyoming, and a rising power in the conservative leadership in Congress, Cheney secretly participated in one of the most highly classified, top-secret programs of the Reagan administration, a simulation of survival scenarios designed to ensure the smooth continuity of the U.S. government in the event of all-out nuclear war with the Soviet Union. Every year, usually during Congressional recesses, Cheney would disappear in the dead of night. He left without explanation to his wife, Lynn Vincent Cheney, who was given merely a phone number where he could be reached in the event of emergency. Along with some four or five dozen federal officials, Cheney would pretend for several weeks to be chief of staff to a designated substitute president bivouacked in some remote location in the United States. As James Mann reveals in The Vulcans, his rich intellectual history of the neoconservative brain trust that has guided Bush foreign policy, the exercise tried to recreate some of the anticipated hardships of surviving a nuclear holocaust. Accommodations were Spartan, and cuisine was barely adequate. Civilian communication systems were presumed destroyed. The challenge was to ensure civil order and control over the military in the event that the elected president and vice president and much of the executive branch were decimated. The Constitution, of course, spells out the line of succession. If the President and Vice President are indisposed, then power passes first to the Speaker of the House and next to the President pro tempore of the Senate. But in a secret executive order, President Reagan, who was deeply concerned about the Soviet threat, amended the process for speed and clarity. The secret order established a means of recreating the executive branch without informing Congress that it had been sidestepped or asking for legislation that would have made the new Continuity of Government plan legally legitimate. Cheney, a proponent of expansive presidential powers, was evidently unperturbed by this oversight. Mann and others have suggested that these doomsday drills were a dress rehearsal for Cheney's calm, commanding performance on 9-11. It was not the first time he had stared into the abyss. One eyewitness who kept a diary said that inside the Presidential Emergency Operations Command, or PEOC, a hardened command center several hundred feet under the by then evacuated White House, Cheney never broke a sweat as he juggled orders to shoot down any additional incoming hijacked planes, coordinated efforts with other cabinet members, most particularly the directors of the FBI and CIA and resolved issues such as how to avoid charges of taking hostage two visiting foreign heads of state from Australia and Lithuania after all air traffic had been shut down. Six weeks after the attacks on New York and Washington, the Bush administration had successfully restored calm, reassured the financial markets, and rallied the sympathies and support of much of the world. But once again, the White House was plunged into a state of controlled panic. On October 17, 2001, a white powder that had been sent through the U.S. Mail to Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle's office in the Capitol was positively identified. Scientific analysis showed it to be an unusually difficult-to-obtain and lethally potent form of the deadly bacterial poison anthrax. This news followed less than ten days after the death in Florida of a victim in another mysterious anthrax attack. The anthrax spores in the letter to Daschle were so professionally refined the Central Intelligence Agency believed the powder must have been sent by an experienced terrorist organization most probably al-Qaeda as a sequel to the group's September 11 attacks During a meeting of the White House's National Security Council that day Cheney who was sitting in for the president because Bush was traveling abroad urged everyone to keep this inflammatory speculation secret At the time, no one—not even America's best-informed national security leaders—really knew anything for sure about what sorts of threats loomed, or from where. The only certainty shared by virtually the entire American intelligence community in the fall of 2001 was that a second wave of even more devastating terrorist attacks on America was imminent. In preparation, the CIA had compiled a list of likely targets— ranging from movie studios, whose heads were warned by the Bush administration to take precautions, to sports arenas and corporate headquarters. topping the list was the White House. The next day, the worst of these fears seemed realized. On October 18, 2001, an alarm in the White House went off. Chillingly, the warning signal wasn't a simple fire alarm triggered by the detection of smoke. It was a sensitive, specialized sensor designed to alert anyone in the vicinity that the air they were breathing had been contaminated by potentially lethal radioactive, chemical, or biological agents. Everyone who had entered the Situation Room that day was believed to have been exposed, and that included Cheney. They thought there had been a nerve attack, a former administration official who was sworn to secrecy about it later confided. It was really, really scary. They thought that Cheney was already lethally infected. Facing the possibility of his own death, the Vice President nonetheless calmly reported the emergency to the rest of the National Security Council. Members of the National Security Council were all too well aware of the seriousness of the peril they were facing. At Cheney's urging, they had received a harrowing briefing just a few weeks earlier about the possibility of biological attack. His attention had been drawn to the subject by a war game called Dark Winter, conducted in the summer before, that simulated the effects of an outbreak of smallpox in America. After the September 11 attacks, Cheney's chief of staff, I. Lewis Scooter Libby, screened a video of the Dark Winter exercise for Cheney, showing that the United States was virtually defenseless against smallpox or any other biological attack. Cheney in particular was so stricken by the potential for attack that he insisted that the rest of the National Security Council undergo a gruesome briefing on it on September 20, 2001.